Lord, I, I want to thank you because we are here. And you say that where two or more are gathered in your name, your spirit is there. And you hear our prayers. And your spirit, Lord, teaches us. And so, Lord, I just want to pray right now that you will teach us tonight. Lord, so many of us come in here with frantic days or bad days or good days or sick days. But, Lord, I just pray that you will be God in the midst of that to us. Let me rephrase that. You're always God, but that we would see you for who you are in the midst of the craziness. I pray tonight, Lord, that I will speak not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of your power. I pray that you'll search our hearts and make them clean, for it is your approval that we long for. God, convict us tonight. Encourage us. Do whatever it takes that when we leave here, we're transformed in our hearts and our minds. I pray that your truth will just penetrate our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, at this, the end of the 2012, I was kind of excited for various reasons, but I was very excited to think of, of new sermon series coming up. I sound so nerdy. I'm like, ooh, it's going to be a new sermon series. And um, I just love new sermon series. So I was very excited. So I remember talking to my dad saying, you know, so what are you going to do at the start of the year? He's like, oh, I'm not sure. Now, I just want you to know that I had wonderful ideas in my mind of what he should do. And um, I was just sure that my ideas were just great ideas. But I waited. I kept my mouth shut. And then, um, you know, at the, later on, I'm like, so have you decided what you're going to do? You know, and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to speak about the gospel. And I'm like, the gospel? <laughs> like, what is, this is what I'm thinking. I'm so unspiritual. And so I'm, I'm thinking, I haven't even told him this, but I've, I, I'm what? You're not. No, I'm not. I, no, because I felt bad. Because in my mind, I'm going, that's kind of dumb. <laughs> I know. See, but you, when you're married, you don't always verbalize these things because it can hurt feelings. Um, but anyway, but I'm thinking, I was thinking to myself, I was thinking, I think, and, and I think I said this to him earlier, he once did a sermon series, and it was called, If You Had 30 Days to Live, How Would You Live Your Life? And it was awesome. I'm like, we need something like that. Like, we have 30 days to live because we get some kind of disease. How are we going to live our last 30 days? Like, that would be good. Or I was thinking, like, 10 ways to get a new you, you know, or something like that. Um, or, like, God's purpose for you. Like, you were created for a reason. God loves you and has a plan for your life. So I, I had great ideas, I thought. And so when Dan said, I'm going to talk about the gospel, I want to talk about God one week and sin next one week and Jesus and then our response, and I'm going, okay, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I know, I'm so unspiritual. So the first week I missed because my kids were sick. And so I come in last week and I, I'm listening, and he told me what he had talked about, and it was good stuff. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is good stuff. He gave me this book to read. I'm like, it's good stuff. And so last week, um, you know, we're, I'm sitting in here still a little like thinking, ah, these kids, they just need to be encouraged. You know, they need to be like, no one like, you can do it. You know, that you can live this life. That's what I'm thinking. So then last night or last week, he, he's 
puts a clip up and shows me the night before because we discuss these things. And usually, I, I usually love his ideas. And I love these ideas. I just thought mine were better. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he's showing me that Fox News video about Generation Y, thinking they're all that and they're really not that. And then he brings in the whole orc idea. And I just want to tell you, that there's only one thing that I thought. I thought, my baby's in the audience, and he is calling my baby an orc. Sorry, Noah. But that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, my once blue eye, blonde hair, blue-eyed little chubbiness, you're calling him an orc? I'm like, oh, it just kind of got me a little bit, because I can't, there are some days when it's very clear to me he is an orc. <laughs> no, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, and he, he can say the same about me. Mom is like, Rrr. but whatever. But as I'm sitting last week, and as I'm listening to what my husband is saying, I thought, this is it. Thank God for a godly man who doesn't want to just say things that the rest of the world says to make you feel good and keep coming back to church. Thank God for a man who's willing to speak the truth. Because the bottom line is, if you miss what he has been talking about what I'm going to talk about today. If you miss it, you have missed it. That is profound. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to explain the Bible except for through the gospel. And if you miss it, if your life goes on another trajectory somewhere, you might have fun along the way. But in the end, it leads to death. And so I was thanking God, thanking God for, for my husband and, and his wisdom and realizing I'm a dork. <laughs> He's so wonderful and I'm a dork. Um, but then I started thinking, are we really all that bad? I mean, an orc? Come on. But let, let me explain this because I've thought this through all week and I think you might relate. Um, I am a twin. Yes. And, oh, Dan's like, I forgot. You got it. And so I'm fixing to show you a picture. But we were, we were, I, we still look very similar. But when we were little, my mom had to have us re-fingerprinted because takes us home from the hospital. She's, you know, mom's tired doing all this stuff. She's like, which one is which? And so she didn't remember which one was which. So she went to have us re-fingerprinted. And then from then on, she painted my sister's toenails so that she would always know. In our yearbooks and growing up, um, there's only, in most of our yearbooks, there's only one picture because they thought it was a duplicate picture. So you, I shouldn't say most of them. It's like alternates every year because she would, there, there we are, that's me and my twin sister. Yeah, and then we have one more we have one more shot too. Right there. Right there. So, yeah, the chubby looking one up front, I think that's me. But most of the little most of the pictures, I, Noah's like, "Mom, which one's you?" I'm like, "I have no idea." And mom's always said, "I always put you on this side, but she can't remember which side she put me on." So, I'm like, "That doesn't help me at all." But anyway, so we are we are we are very very similar. So, as I'm thinking about this sin aspect of my life, you know, Y'all may know this, but you may not. I grew up in a, my dad was a preacher, and then he became a missionary. We went overseas, and we, we sold everything. I mean, we sold everything, except for a few Barbies and some of the important things. And uh, packed up all our stuff and went to live in South America. And um, <clears throat> so, I mean, I was raised in a great family, doing things for God. 
and, and just serving my whole life. I mean, I was in church all the time doing things. I mean, we gave up our lives to go be missionaries in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and it, it was a fun experience, but it was hard, you know. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not that bad. You know, I'm pretty good. But then God brought terrible things to mind. Um, and one of the things that I remember, and I had to show you this, is because... One of my mom's favorite stories is when I was little, I tore my, mom, my dad's study Bible. He was a preacher, so it was like very important to him. So I tore it, and her favorite story to tell is that as soon as he walked to the door, I ran to the door, and I looked at him, I said, me not Michelle, me Melissa. And then I ran off to play, and I thought, why did I do that? And he's, she's like, because you wanted her to get the spanking, not you. And so I'm thinking, you know what? I, at that age, was not even old enough to calculate two plus two. But I was old enough to lie. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you girls in my small group, you know what I did to my sisters when they hit me in the nose. (laughs) We're not even going to go there. I was mean, baby. I was mean. They used to hit me in the nose because it made me sneeze. And so I did something very cruel back to them. And it was pretty good, wasn't it, girls? It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. But guess what? I wasn't old enough to know the parts of speech, but I could get revenge. I, uh, I cheated in elementary school, and then I bribed the kid not to tell with stickers, which didn't work. Oh, unfortunately, should have bribed the girl, not the boy. He didn't care about stickers. So here I was, you know, I wasn't even old enough to hit puberty, but I was old enough to cheat and bribe. And then in high school, snuck out of the house a few times, and I'm just going to say I wasn't out helping the poor, um, wasn't doing that, and I'm like, I couldn't vote. Yet, I could be in rebellion against my parents and do things that I knew were wrong. So here's the thing. I realize, even this week, I've known it, but I just was gripped all over again based on last week and just prayer and just thinking things through. I am a sinner. I fail. I mess up. That's just the way I am. And that's the way you are. And that's the way my children are. And that's the way the world is. If I was to take a little kid and I was to totally leave them on their own, do you think they would turn out nice? Would they learn good manners if we didn't say, say please, say thank you, yes ma'am? No, you know, you know what your parents do to you to teach you good manners? Chew with your mouth shut. You know, you can't have all that sugar. Parents, we are always parents, we are always saying this to correct our children because they don't naturally we didn't naturally decide, I'm going to floss my teeth tonight. We didn't, not that that's really a moral issue, but we didn't naturally decide to be good. Because if we were left to our own devices, the truth be told, we would just look out for ourselves. And part of that would be survival mode, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but we'd continue in that. And I'm just telling you, I had a friend of mine once say, you don't want to have a kid that only a mother can love. And what she meant by that was you knock some sense into them so that they're not so bratty that I'm the only one that loves them because everyone's like, get away. You know what I mean? Y'all remember that when you're parents. You know those whiny kids in restaurants? Don't be a parent who has a whiny kid in a restaurant. We sometimes are, I have to admit. But try not to be that way. So tonight, I just want to... Dan talked about who God is the first week. Last week, which is a continuation of what the gospel, the good news of the Bible is all about. God talked about us. He showed that picture of the orcs. And he kind of gave an, uh, he, he, he said verses like, none of us are righteous, not even one. 
Our hearts are deceitful above all things. You know, we just, we just can't always do things right. And so this week, we're going to kind of take a little launching pad and take, kind of launch off that thought. And we're going to talk about, okay, so we're this way. What are we going to do about it? The reason I have note cards and pencils for you is because I've had some people say to me before, I really want to be able to explain the gospel to people, but I don't know what to say. I'm there. And sometimes when I know exactly what to say, I forget it. Or I forget where it's found. I'm like, it's somewhere in you know, that book or whatever. So what I would like to encourage you to do, we're, I'm going to give you about 12 verses tonight. And they're going to flash up on the screen, hopefully, if they're in the order that I, I could have gotten it wrong. And if I did, just forgive me. But um, I would just encourage you to jot these verses down. Just jot where they're found so that you can take this home. You can... Take it to your bedroom at night. Take your Bible. Find the verses. And kind of have an idea. If you want to say, oh, this is what the Bible says about how to get to heaven. This is what the Bible says about how you can be saved. Or this is how you can become a Christian. There's different ways people ask it. Then you can say, well, you want me to tell you what the Bible says? And you can give them, you can give them a general idea based on these verses that I'm going to give you. I want to clarify that there are so many verses that we could be here for weeks um, talking about them. There are passages that we could pull apart. There are prophecies from the Old Testament that, that say this points to Jesus, this, 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 and this. And then find them in the New Testament and how they came fulfilled. We could spend weeks doing all that stuff. But I've tried to condense it in a way that I hope that you understand and I hope that you get. And, um, and I, I want you to know that I'm right here with you. And I, I feel... When Dan and I teach you and say, we are all sinners, we're not going, you sinners, your generation of sinners. We're saying, we are all sinners, even Mr. Jack. It's hard to believe, but it is indeed true. It is, it's, it's strange. But here's the thing. The sweetest little baby that you could see when it's born, in their heart, they're naturally inclined to sin. And if you don't believe me, just... Use your eyes and ears and watch kids for a while, and you will see it. I have some visual aids for you, and um, I hope that this kind of helps bring clarity to your mind and to how you can adequately describe the scriptures and what the scripture says about salvation. Because um, I use this sometimes, um, depending on the circumstances, sometimes with kids. I've, used, I've showed it to my children before, and I think it just might give you a, a kind of a clear picture. Um, Here's our problem. We are man, and we what would be called, we would be like a sin factory, so to speak. And we are sinful people, because we don't always do things right. We are a dying people, because the Bible says, first of all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's in Romans 3.23. We've been going over that. That's the first verse you might want to write down. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, and the wages, the payment for that sin is death. So we are a people who are sinful, and we are a people who are dying. As you get older, this truth becomes much more apparent. When your body doesn't work the way it used to work, you're like, yep, I'm dying. Might take a few more years, but I feel like I'm dying. Sometimes all it takes is going up a flight of stairs. But we're not talking about the physical we're talking about inwardly. 
especially in our condition of sinfulness. And then I added this for Dan's sake, we are orcish. It's just such a nasty picture of people that I thought, this just describes it perfectly. And I think what it describes is not necessarily our outward appearance. Thank God, none of us look like that. But I think it describes the condition of our heart when we're rebellious. And and the, the truth of the matter is, we all rebel at some point or another. Here's another verse that I want to give you. Because this is man who is sinful, who is dying, who is orcish. That word just looks wrong. Bishop. Uh, Yes. Yes. Doesn't it just look wrong? Yes. Yes. Decombobulated, discombobulated, whatever. Um, Before I give you that other verse, let's just talk about God for a minute from the first week, okay? Because one of the things that that Dan talked about is that God is holy. And that because of his holiness, he is set apart. He is completely perfect as well. Never makes a mistake. In fact, I was reading this morning in the book of James that he has no variation. He is not like shifting shadows. He doesn't change. You know, parents kind of change sometimes. Sometimes we ignore you because we're sick and tired of you. No offense. Um, But we're sick and tired of dealing with maybe a bad behavior. So if we just look the other way, we'll ignore it. And we're not always consistent. So sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, I can get away with this because mama's not looking. Or, you know, it's, and you probably are smart enough to get, yeah, mama's out in la-la land. Um, my kids know that. They're like, oh, yeah, we can get away with this. But here's the deal. God never changes. When God said, he says, I hate sin and the penalty for sin is death, that will never change. He doesn't say, Rachel, you are cute. I'm going to let you slide. No. He doesn't say, well, that was just a little itty-bitty sin. You didn't know any better. It's all right. You don't have to. No. No. You sin, you die. (laughs) He's also just. And because of his justice, he always does what is right. Mamas don't always do what's right because we're tired. We're sick of dealing with it. Daddies don't always do what's right. But God, he never changes. He is the same. And here's the deal. God, who is holy, perfect, and just, is revolted by sin. When I was pregnant, all I had to do was sniff the crust of bread and I would gag and throw up. That's all I had to do. If it touched my lips, I was like... It was revolting. Revolting. I could leave a knife right next to a pastry... And then go back and take a bite of it. And I could taste the knife. And I would just puke everywhere. I don't know what it was. It was so odd. But it was revolting to me. I mean, I would just like, I just couldn't even, I'm like, you know, it was just horrible. That's how God sees sin. It's revolting to him. It's like, uh, nope, nope, don't think, nope, nope. Not that he can't handle it. He is so perfect. He says, no. I say that to my kids. No. He says no to sin. So here's the next verse I want you to write down. Isaiah 59, 2. Just spell Isaiah the best. Oh, it's up there. And it says this. Your iniquities, your sin, have separated you from God. Your sin has hidden his face from you, so he will not hear. He cannot hear. When we are living in sin, he cannot hear us. I shouldn't say he can't. He can, but he won't. When we are purposely saying no to God 
And we're living in that rebellion and that sin. Our sin separates us from God. And thus, what I've done here is I've put these like this so you can see that there is a separation here. And we cannot get to God on our own. The Bible says we cannot get to God on our own. Let's keep going. Um, Some people um, try to get to God. And some people think they do a pretty good job, and I've been here before. Some people think that their good works will get them to God. So I'm just going to put this right here. And they're like, well, if I'm... Okay, you see that? Okay, it's going to flip back. Good works. There you go. And they're like, if I'm just good enough, I'm going to serve in the soup kitchen, and I'm going to go mow my neighbor's yard and, and I'm gonna I have a neighbor like this right now. And she she goes to a universal Unitarian blah 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 church and I don't it has a huge long name and they are all about doing good things. They've had months where they're like, we are doing a good thing every day this month. Like I just want to say that sounds exhausting. Good luck with that. But they are wonderful, wonderful people. Great people. Right now, they're doing um, a study of a book that I told her about, and they're totally only eating Indian food because they're they're like feeling what the Indian India people go through, and they want to commiserate with them and know what it means to only eat turmeric cabbage or whatever. And and they're just I mean, so they're like, we are going to do good things, and they encourage their children to do good things all the time, and it's good. It's not bad in and of itself, but that will not. Get them to God. And we've had a conversation about that. And I'm still praying, praying for this family. Something else, too. Some people think religion will get them to God. This is going to flip back. And so sorry about this. Um, my plan didn't work here. Um, religion. They're like, well, if I just go to church, I'm a good, you know, I'm good. And I, I sit in the same pew my pappy sat in. You know, I'm, I'm going good. Some people, they turn to philosophy. They turn to, you know, just Gandhi or, you know, other deep philosophical truths. Some people, they mesh them and blend them all together. And they just, you know, they're, they're kind of philosophical about life. And they think that will get me to God. And last, this one's kind of like good works. But morality, some people are like, you know what? I'm a good person. I mean, I try not to be mean. And I, I love my mama. And I give money to the orphanage. I, I'm okay. You know, I, I don't lie. I don't cheat on my taxes. And so they say these things and they say, yeah, God's pleased with me. But the problem is we still have our sin to reckon with. And because of our sin, these, it just doesn't matter. They're good things indeed, but they don't matter. Here's another verse I want to give you, Proverbs 14, 12. And it says this, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. These are really good ideas. If Michelle wanted to save someone, I'd be like, yeah, you'd be a good person. You help out as much as you can. That would be my plan. But God's, God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher and better than our ways. It says that in the book of Isaiah. And so what's going on here is the, this is what man has created to save them, to make them good enough. But there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it, it leads to death. And here's the thing. We can't always trust our hearts. Sometimes we can. Sometimes we can't. So how do you know? I don't know. So you don't. You, you just say, you know, I'm feeling this way, but d- what, how does it measure up? How does it measure up to what the Bible says? So here's the big problem. 
Man is like this, God is like this, and there's a gap here. And there's no way for man to get to God. Or is there? And I want to say this because there, God had a plan. And I do not want to say God had a solution for this problem of sin. Because I feel like when you say solution, it implies that something went wrong, so now we got to fix it. Um, something's going wrong, and so here, let's do this. Okay, now it's done. No, from the very beginning of time, God had a plan. He said, I know what I'm going to do. In Genesis chapter 1, he says, oh, oh, let us make man in our image. Now, y'all, if I said, we need a drink of water, and I'm talking about myself, y'all going to be like, you need a drink? No, we. God specifically spoke in plural because of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He was referring that Jesus already existed. And that's seen in John chapter 1 as well. To the beginning of time, from the beginning, Jesus was part of the plan. I want to show you, I want to kind of give you guys an, well, I'll I'll show you this in a minute. Um, No, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. You know, one of the things that was uh, part of the cleansing process of sin in the Old Testament was they would sacrifice an animal. And here's the thing. Sin was so serious that it required blood. I mean, what's, you lose your blood, you lose your life. Right? That serious. So they would go into the temple and they would sacrifice it. And it would, it would for a time, it would just erase the sin. Well, here's what's interesting. With God's plan, if you look all throughout the Bible, in the book of Genesis, after Adam and Eve sin, they rebel against God. They want to do things their way. They eat of the fruit that God said not to eat of. So they're in their, um, they're in their mind. They're saying, oh, we got this. God, we got this. Isn't that what sin is? I got this, God. I know. I know. I know how to do this, God. That's what it all boils down to. Thinking we know. Okay? So God slaughters an animal and puts skin on them. And he covers them with skin to hide their shame. And blood was shed that day for two people. If you go to the book of Exodus with the Passover, you can read about that in the book of Exodus. There was a point where they slaughtered an animal and they put it over the doorposts of their house. And the Bible says, if you put this blood over the doorpost of your house, it will save your household. And the death angel will pass you by. So you've got blood that was shed for two people. In the book of Exodus, you've got blood that was shed for a household. In the book of Leviticus, if you read in Leviticus chapter 16, you actually have what's called the Day of Atonement, where the priest goes in, get a hold of this. He takes a bull, he takes two goats, he sacrifices the bull for his own sin. Got to be clean. Then he sacrifices a goat for his sin for the whole entire nation of Israel. You've got blood shed for two people. You move through the Bible, you've got blood shed for a household. You move through the Bible, you've got blood shed for an entire nation. You know what they did with the second goat? They released it into the wilderness. It's called a scapegoat. They released it into the wilderness, and the idea was the sins of the people were leaving. And they'd be like, oh, I hope it doesn't come back. The sins would leave, symbolic, that they were forgiven. They were good. It was right with God. You fast forward to the New Testament, and this is where it comes into play. Jesus Christ died on a cross. Put my little cross up here. And he alone 
was able, this is so crooked, I'm sorry. It just doesn't look pretty, does it? It's all right. Yeah. He alone was able to make a way for us to get to God. Here's a verse for you. I want you to put this down. Um, Did y'all write uh, Leviticus 16? Okay. The next verse I want you to write, John 3.16. Oh, and that picture showed it too. For God so loved the world. Hmm. Blood was shed for two people. Blood was shed for a household. Blood was shed for a nation. For God so loved the world. Blood was shed for the world. That whoever believes in him would have eternal life. That's John 3.16. This is what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 says. It is impossible for the, bl- the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Okay, now let me explain this. In the Old Testament, it sufficed. But once Jesus came, no more. This was the fulfillment of God's plan. And if you keep reading in Hebrews 10, chapter t- verse 10, it says, We have been cleansed or sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. God's plan from the beginning was that Jesus would die on the cross. Just like that scapegoat, all the sins of Israel would be, all the sins of the world would be placed on him. By the way, for people who think, oh, poor Jesus, all those sins, he knew them. It's not like it took him by surprise. Oh, that one really was bad. He knew them. He knew what he was getting into. In fact, all through the book of John, he repeatedly says to his disciples, the, the term he uses, I'm going to be lifted up. Another way of saying, I'm going to be crucified. It's kind of a vague way, so they didn't get it. They weren't like, oh, you're going to be crucified? Because if he would have said, I'm going to be crucified, they'd be like, what? No! They would have like pitched a little fit. He says, I'm going to be lifted up, and I will draw all men unto me. I'm going to be lifted up, and three days later, just like the temple in Jerusalem was rebuilt, oh, it will be rebuilt. Talking about his body being raised from the dead. And for those of you who think, I was kind of mean for God to uh, make Jesus do this. He didn't make him. Jesus says in the book of John, I lay my life down. No one takes it from me. And the garden, he's like, he, garden of Gethsemane, he's like, oh God, I don't know about this. He, he's like, God, if you have another way, it's okay. But I'll do it. He knew what he was doing. He went on the cross. And when he died, he became that animal who shed his blood to take away our sin. Just like that goat was released into the wilderness, but now it's no longer, it's released into the wilderness. I wonder if it'll ever come back. Does that mean our sin's going to come back? Is God going to haunt us? No. Once and for all, it was removed. Here's a verse I want you to put down. Three verses I'm going to give you. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Christ died for us to bring us to God. The last one, Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to give you one more too. 
2 Corinthians 5.21. I think this is my favorite. It's actually a song. He made him who knew no sin. Do y'all know that song? Anyway, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He made him who knew no sin, who was perfect, just like God, to take all our sin so that we no longer are revolting, meaning our sin, to God. God's always loved us. But that sin is like, oh, no. But it's almost like when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he said, all right, I'm taking your sin, I'm giving you my righteousness. It was the great exchange. The great exchange. Our sin for his righteousness. So when God looks at you when you're a Christian, he doesn't see orc. He sees an adopted child of God. Someone who has made, who's been able to go from here to here because they've accepted what Christ did on the cross. I'm going to tell you guys something. There is a degree of faith that you must have to believe this. You can't 100% explain accurately everything in the scripture. There is, I've wrestled with this this week. There is an, an element of faith. It's reasonable. You come to it with a, a, a keen mind, a sound mind. And then there's an element of faith where you say, God... I believe that you did this for me. And you've, you've cleansed me. You've made me righteous. You've allowed me, a sinful, dying person, to come to you who's holy, perfect, and just. Uh, next week, uh, one of the things Dan's going to be talking about is, okay, so if you know this, if this is true, and you'll have to decide for yourself what you believe about that. But if this is true, what do you do? What then? It's a, it, it'll, be, it'll be a good Wednesday night. But it'll be an, a Wednesday night where you're like, okay, truth. What am I going to do with this truth? How is it going to change me? How am I going to live my life differently? And I'll tell you something. I was just talking to Samantha today. I had a really good childhood. I had parents who loved me. I traveled the world. I had friends. I was a cheerleader. Not a very good one, but I was okay in school. I wasn't brilliant. They had calculus four at my school. I'm like, I'll take geometry. Um, wasn't brilliant, but I had a really good life. But you know, something happened at one point. I'm not going to go into details, but something happened where inside my heart, I spiraled into a pit. And I'm telling you, I was at the bottom of this pit, and I, I felt completely hopeless. I mean, when you talk about being separated from God, I just felt, God, I, I just, I, you know those feelings where you can be surrounded by tons of people but still feel very lonely? Do you know what I mean? And there's a psalm in scripture, Psalms chapter 40, where it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and heard my cry. He lifted me out of a pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. And he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. I'm telling you, 
people make fun of me because I sing a lot. I'll be pumping gas. I'll be like, you are strong. People are like, what are you doing? Although the other day someone said, I love your voice. I was like, oh, thank you. I didn't realize I was singing that loud. I was a little embarrassed. He put a new song in my mouth. I'm telling you, sometimes I can't help it. Because he has rescued me from a pit of darkness. That is the only way I can explain it. Is he has taken me out of a pit of darkness and he has placed me on a rock. He's given me that firm place to stand. So it does not matter what may come. I will have a song in my heart and on my lips. I will be firm in what I believe. And I will know that he has rescued me. And I just want to say, I I wanted... I love this concept because it has changed me. It has changed me. Knowing that God died for me. It changed me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth of your scripture. This is a lot to think about. Lord, what are we going to do if this is the truth? And I believe your word is the truth. We've got to either accept it or reject it. And so, God, I pray that you'll work in our hearts all week, Lord, that these verses will become real to us. And, Lord, that your truth will just transform our heart and mind. Thank you for saving us. Thank you that you who knew no sin became sin for me so that I could have your righteousness. Thank you that at the cross, your wrath was met with grace And you gave us a chance. Thank you for loving us enough to send your son. I don't know that I could do that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, We are done. And so next week, be here. Hi, baby girl. Um, And um, um, if y'all would sign up, if you're interested at all. um, the, The reason you sign up is not that we're like, now you're going, you signed up.